because they didn't know how to communicate. So then it became very important to me to figure out how to communicate. And now I think that's that's like, I mean, if I were to like diagnose my childhood trauma, I would say that's why communication became, became such a big part of my life later, you know, going into marketing and all that fun stuff. Everything is possible, just hustle, just hustle. The Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, where we keep it real, I state in entrepreneurship wisdom. Learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. Here's your host, Billy the Kid, aka Billionaire. Everything is possible, just hustle, just hustle. Everything is possible, just hustle. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, baby. It is your boy, Billy the Kid, aka BDK, aka Billionaire. And uh, I just got off the phone right now, or the call, or whatever, what you, whatever you want to call it, um, with Mia. And um, you know, this episode is full of wisdom. Um, you know, it's beyond. You know, if you want to learn how to get yourself out there and and uh, how to make an impact uh, with purpose, uh, this is it right here. Because uh, it was more than just uh, oh, let's have um you know let's put yourself out there right like uh there was so many uh wisdom so much wisdom in this and so many points and uh action uh there's a lot of things that you can take action on if uh listen carefully for all those points so i'm super excited uh once again thank you mia for uh coming through and blessing us today um before we get going um I want to make sure that you guys go check out my brand new song. It's called uh, Open Minded. It's out everywhere. Um, also, my book, The Power of Being Uncomfortable, is out everywhere. Again, if you don't want an autographed copy, shame on you. But it is available on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, and everywhere else. Um, otherwise, go to BillyTheKid.com and grab a, a copy. But, uh, you know, there there was so much wisdom in this um, in, in this episode. I can't wait for you guys to uh, dig in. Uh it's crazy you know we touched on a lot of things that i'm very passionate about uh we touched on ego uh we we touched on just um making an impact that a lot of times uh you know if if you don't want to keep going just making an impact uh and and that's what keeps me going and that's why i related so much to it was because um there's a lot of times where maybe i do feel like okay you know it I don't want to keep doing this or I don't want to keep doing that right uh, with my music or whatever else. And, um, you know, then I get somebody messaging me on Instagram, for example, saying, hey, thanks to this song, uh, you know, I didn't do this or I I did that. I motiv- motivated me to do this. So those are the messages that keep me going. Um, so it's very important to make an impact. Um, and overall, I again, this episode is full and I hope that uh that you listening uh, can see how impactful this uh, episode is if you take action because again there's a lot of things that you can take action on on this episode so make sure you guys um, follow uh, at million dollar hustle pod on instagram and then don't forget to subscribe to my youtube uh, youtube.com slash billy the kid that's where uh, we'll be posting all the video ones. Otherwise, the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, uh, anywhere podcasts are available. We are there, baby. So with that being said, let's get to Mia's episode. I am excited. Let's get it, baby. Vamonos. What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Billy the Kid. Million Dollar Hustle podcast. I am super excited today. I have Mia on the other end. How you doing, Mia? 
I am so good and I'm so happy to be here. Let me tell you guys something. I've been waiting for like a year to be on this thing. So I'm excited. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And we had a little mishap that happens. So, you know, it, things happen. Uh, we I were know. confused on, <laughs> on an hour difference. <laughs> it's all right. good though. Um, thank you. Thank you, me. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, before we get started, because you got a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge that I can't wait to get into. Um, I'd like to ask you, uh, normally we have a book of the week on the podcast, and um, I would love to hear what is one book that has stuck to you that you can share with us that uh, maybe changed your life, because there's a lot of life-changing books out there. It's a really great question. There's um there's a book called The Book of Joy, and it is between the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Tutu. And I was kind of, I read it in this phase of my life where I was drowning in self-improvement and business entrepreneurship. And you constantly hear like, I mean, actually it was funny because I was reading that in conjunction with uh, the book Limitless, uh, or no, Relentless, Relentless. It was Relentless. And it was a really funny combination because in the book of Relentless, they're telling you, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. Um, it's pretty cutthroat. It's like people keep up or they don't keep up. And that's the bare, you know, that's just, that's the reality of it. But then reading that alongside of the book of joy, which pretty much kind of tells you to slow down, to live in the moment, to um, find ways to really find joy in life and connect with people and respect people. There was a moment where um, it was, I think it was the Dalai Lama that was talking about how when he's in this stage of people and he's talking to you about um, how he doesn't view himself any differently than the people in the crowd. Mm. It's a very different mentality than I think that when, when people talk about, um, Michael Jordan or, you know, these, these prime sports athletes, because they say they are special, they are different and it's okay to be special, but there's a burden that is pushed on you when you start really recognizing yourself as special. And there was, there was this kind of nice balance. I think I got from the book of joy. I love that. Uh, you know, it's crazy. Do you feel, uh, Maya, that like, whenever you're reading these books, they're like talking to you. Cause that's how I feel. <laughs> I, do. I do. It's, it's cause I think that, I mean, I think anyone that has ambition is going through the exact same emotional journey, the same mm. uh, problems and struggles, the ego, the same um, doubts and the same uh, fight of is success truly happiness. You know, at least that's, that's why I came across. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe I've, cut off relationships that I shouldn't have, or I feel like I put work over the relationships that I shouldn't have. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think it definitely feels like it speaks to me because I know that, you know, it's not, it's just not me going through it, you know? Yeah, no, that, you know, that's a great point because, uh, at the end, it's like, that's why these books are great because they were written by great minds. And, uh, it is definitely one way to pick somebody's brain from, you know, the eighties that was doing great things. So, uh, that, that's a great point. And you talked a little bit about ego. Um, can you dive a little bit deeper on that? Because, uh, I, I definitely, uh, I was reading a quote yesterday. Um, got it. If I could remember it and, and I'll, if I remember, I'll, I'll bring it up, but, uh, the whole ego thing is just, you know, it's, it's a big thing in society. So if you could touch a little bit on that. I can. I can say that I'm going to touch on it from my from my weird perspective in life, being 23 years old. Um, I can say that at my age, it's kind of like you're feeling like you're absolutely on top of the world, that you are surrounded by people even older than you that are. This sounds really awful. And that's that's where the ego comes in. It feels like these these people around you are not as competent or not as quick, not as sharp. 
Um, but then also coming across these days where because your ego is so high, when you crash, you crash really, really hard. You know, there's these moments of feeling like um, you're not like you're, especially with social media and internet the way it is now, is you are comparing yourselves to these 16 year olds that are changing the world, like uh, uh, Malala Yousafa, you know, who's fighting for uh, women's ability to just get education in these th third world countries. And um, so there's moments where at work, for example, I'll feel on top of the world that I can solve problems that no one, no one else can. And then there's moments where I feel like, man, I'm not doing enough. And um, maybe I'm not competent to do enough. I don't really know. And I think the only way I've been coping with it, um, actually, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I am coping with it. It's kind of like it's a day-to-day <laughs> -day thing right now, you know? Um, so I wish I had advice, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, and, and that, that's, uh, it's a big, a big thing. I think in the path that we have taken, uh, ego is big. Uh, I plays a big part in, uh, I always, uh, my biggest thing is keeping it humble at all times. I think, uh, when you keep it humble, no matter what you've done. And it's funny because to a lot of people, you've done so much, but then, you know, when you want more out of life, then, not that you're not happy, but there, you, you got that, you know, the five years ahead of you that you already visualized, if that makes sense. And I, and I feel like uh, that has a lot to do with that um, because that a lot of these people might not see the vision. And I, I feel like that's where the ego kicks in where it's like, no, I kind of know where I'm heading. Come on, let's do this. You know? So uh, I, I would call, call that visionary. <laughs> it's true. And, and to your point, there's there's a level of impatience there. I think that's when the ego really gets out of control is when, for example, you have your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, or your or your monthly plan, and, and then you don't have the grace to give to other people because you're so focused on that end game and the timelines. And then that's when really like you're not, you're unconsciously letting your ego take control. So that's a great point. Yeah, no. And, and uh, definitely meditation helps, you know, to be in the now or whatever. So great, great. I mean, we started with fire already, Mia. And, and I don't want to get too far ahead. Um, if we can uh, start by letting us know your story. Uh, where were you born? Where are you from? What's your family like? How was it growing up? That's a yeah, I like I like I like it. So I was born in Pueblo, Colorado in 1999. And um, I've never left Pueblo. My, my family life was more like, um, like not to give too much away of other people's business. So I'll be very vague, but I was always my mom's and my dad's support system. You know what I mean? So like I would negotiate their fights for them. I would always be very, like very intently attuned to emotional shifts, you know, because it, fortunately, like my parents are incredible in the sense that their arguments, their fights were more like silence. Like instead of hearing like loud banging or whatever, like the house would just get silent for, for days at a time. And because um, they, they didn't know how to communicate. So then it became very important to me to figure out how to communicate. And now I think that's that's like, I mean, if I were to like diagnose my childhood trauma, I would say that's why communication become, became such a big part of my life later, you know, going into marketing and all that fun stuff. But I also know that because I was so attuned to the slight emotional shifts because there was no like massive bang or no massive, um, you know, shout, I'd be able to really notice when people were upset. And I think that makes me really good also at like, for example, reading uh, a demo for a marketing audience, like knowing this is what makes them take, this is what makes them make a move. Um, so going from that, you know, I stayed here for college because I wasn't really sure what the dynamic between my parents were. And uh, from there, you know, I was, 
I was always the model student. I was always like straight A's, straight A's, straight A's. You know, the only thing in my life was school, didn't have a lot of friends. Um, and then when I got to college, you would think like the, the last person you would think to drop out would probably be Mia Gilbertson. Um, but by junior, middle, midway through junior year, uh, that's when I was working for Matt. You know, it was actually, if I were to backtrack a little bit, COVID-19 hits. And uh, one of my friends from college says, hey, do you want a job making some video? Because at the time, video was my side gig. Never intended it to be something major. I thought I was going to go to law school. And uh, I joined Matt at his, Matt Smith at his snooze mattress company and Snap Fitness. And I was just creating some fun videos. It was me, uh, two girls, and it was just a, a tight team of three just creating some fun content. We didn't think too hard about it. We didn't have some massive marketing strategy. We were just trying to build something that people enjoyed consuming. And then from there, as you know, Grant Cardone comes into the picture and Undercover Billionaire starts. And that whole scenario turns into building an agency around three girls that were doing some fun, cutesy marketing for, for two local businesses. Uh, we're now taking on a ton of clientele from roofing to mortgages to banks, all the stuff that I mean are the hardest things to market for, mind you. And uh, as we evolved, you know, the agency expanded. I went from videographer to operations, to a little bit of logistics, to strategy, to now standard operating procedures for the franchise for Snooze Mattress Company. Um, and now I'm, I'm part-time. So I, I realized that, you know, I was doing a lot. I was wearing a lot of hats and um, I've, I've scaled that down. I don't, it, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of places to go with that, but that's, that's kind of like the roundabout of how I got here. Well, that that's an awesome story. And, and I, I want to make it clear that it's short. You, you have done a lot in, in a very short period of time. And it's, you know, it goes back to with our first conversation. I, uh, once, once you kind of summarize it, it, it feels short, but uh, you've been killing it, right? Like I'm, like you were saying earlier, there's days where you, I feel the same way. Like, oh man, am I doing enough? Right? Um, I was just talking to one of my mentees, and uh, they watched the Think and Grow Rich movie, and they were telling me how they cried halfway through, and they felt like they weren't doing enough. And he's killing, you know, the the business that he's doing. So, uh, anyways, I, I love that. Um, you you did talk a little bit about communication being an issue uh, growing up. Uh, how does how how did you fix that? Because I, I I definitely agree with you that that is a trauma. I went through that uh, to this day. I still battle it, and I now I'm trying to explain it to my mom. You know, whenever I communicate, it doesn't mean that I'm arguing with you or anything. Communication should be what everybody uh, should be able to do. So if you could touch a little bit on that, yeah, I got really lucky because I think that um, you know my mom specifically was very aware what she was doing I think she she knew that she was turning to me for emotional support like she would bring up the story time and time again saying I remember you were three years old you walked into the bathroom I'm crying my eyes out and you at three years old told me everything was going to be okay you know and and so I think there was actually a form of guilt that she had with that kind of just knowing that um, I would get very very stressed out anytime that there was a sign of emotion on her face um, and she didn't know how to control it. She didn't know how to shield it from me. And, and so since they both knew what, what I was doing and, and how I stayed for college for that reason, um, later in life now, um, when I just moved out into my own apartment and, um, I communicated with them that I don't, I can't solve your guys' problems anymore. You know, I actually, there was, there was actually a moment where I said, Hey, either you guys divorce and I will support you to the best of my ability. And I don't have any resentment towards either one of you, but I think that 
I was telling them, I was pushing them. I was like, this is the right move, I think. Um, but they decided to stay together and I was like, that's great. But um, I can't, I'm not gonna liaison for you. Like I can't do that for my own mental, you know? And um, they were they were very understanding. It was um, just because I was openly communicating with them about what I thought they should do, about what my boundaries were soon after. Um, and so it's right now it's, it's really good, especially because I have my own space. So I'm far removed from having to deal with that. Um, but I'm close enough too, so that I can, you know, check in on them, but that's about it. Yeah, no, that, that's a great answer. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to point out too, I didn't know that you were from Pueblo. Uh, oh. so, you, so you, you've been a Pueblo native then, uh, how is, because I, I've been there a couple times and, uh, Pueblo is, you know, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of, uh, great things to do for being a smaller, and I'm going to call it a, a city. Uh, I know it's a town, but there's so many great things, great people. So if you could touch a little bit on that. Oh, Pueblo is so interesting. So a lot of people in Pueblo, especially when they grow up here, like me, um, especially when they're ambitious and they want to do big things, they think that Pueblo is no place for them. They, they, uh, would never really consider staying. Uh, and if you do stay, it's a compromise. It's never like a, a choice to stay. And I would say that Pueblo, like if we were to go back to the history, it's a town that was going to be the capital of Colorado um, until their steel mill crashed. And at that time, it was that was like the major employer for 90% uh, of the people here. And so when it crashed, they kind of went into a very depressed phase. And still to this day, the funny thing is that um, they call themselves the steel city because they connect with the resilience of overcoming it. However, the problem is, is that for younger people like me, you don't, you're not, you're not working in a steel mill. You know, there's, there's no connection to what the city means and what it's fighting for to what it's looking towards the future. Cause it's so, it's so like past based, you know? Um, but on top of that, it's a, it's the type of city where it's, it's small enough that your circle will constantly run into each other um, at the coffee shops or um, the, the favorite bar, you know what I mean? It's that small, but it's, it's big enough to where you don't know everybody. And the, the opportunities are really, truly massive. Um, but there's also a lot of clashing because you do have that really strong traditionalist who doesn't want the city to grow because they don't want the high traffic, the, you know, all the things that come with, with a larger city, but they also still want the benefits of a larger city. And so you have this constant clash of people wanting more and saying, we don't have this, kids don't have things to do, but then also constantly resisting the actions that'll lead to city growth. And then therefore the activities for younger people to do. And so it's, it's a goofy scenario. There's a lot of people working towards um, a bigger visionary future, but there's a lot of um, pull at the same time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, it, definitely. Like I said, it, it's, there's something to Pueblo that I, that I like, and I will be back for sure. <laughs> like the, the food is great. And <laughs> so um, I want to move on a little bit. Um, so you mentioned meeting Matt Smith. Uh, can you, before we kind of jump into the, the show and, you know, everything else, all the great things that came from that. Um, how did you meet Matt Smith? So that was my, um, the, the, what's it called? The peer I had in college that invited me to, to come work for the video. She had been working for Matt for years, like all throughout her high school to college years. And so when I came in, I remember walking into, I, it was again, heat of COVID-19. I wasn't looking for a job. I didn't really know what I wanted. 
Um, definitely didn't think that video was going to be a thing, but I was like, yeah, sure. I've got nothing else to do. Literally, I'm staying at home day after day. So I'll come in for an interview. I come in and I remember like, I didn't even, I just realized walking into that room, I didn't even ask what the job was for, or what the companies were for, or like any other thing other than I'm going to make some cool videos. And so I walk into like, a room of like five people, Matt being one of them, obviously like the most, like the biggest, most enthusiastic personality that you had ever met. Um, and then like some really intimidating people as well, you know, and so I'm, I'm sitting there and uh, they're asking me questions about like, so how would you help us scale the mattress industry? And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't even know that I was applying for a mattress industry, you know what I mean? Or a mattress company. But the funny thing about Matt is that he will, you know, like you would think that you're walking into an interview trying to sell yourself, why, why I'm good. But Matt does this thing to everybody where he automatically wants to sell you on his vision. So I'm in this, you know, the seat thinking that I'm trying to ask for a job that honestly, I didn't really know I wanted to him selling me on a job and me walking out of the room being like, oh shoot, I think I want this job, you know what I mean? Um, and he just has that, you know, infectious, like, let me tell you something. I, I've tried to, <laughs> I've tried to quit my job four times before now scaling to this kind of simplified job I have now. And it's because Matt just like, you just can't quite get away from it. You know, it's, it's magnetic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. And, um, Let's uh, move on a little bit. So those of you listening or watching that don't know, you were on the Undercover Billionaire show, which uh, you mentioned a little bit. The first question I have for you is, did you know that was Grant Cardone? No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Like, it was, it was like, uh, honestly, I didn't trust the guy at all because he would, he would just do these roundabout questions. Like, the first time I met him, he was like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. You're doing this wrong pump your 10 videos to 100 videos, you know, a month. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to try to do this cheesy crap. I'm not trying to like make, like I'm trying to make good content that people want to consume. And he's like, nope, like frequency, 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 like 10X, blah, all this, all this crazy stuff, right? And um, I would ask him, okay, like, have you done this before? He's like, yeah. I'm like, where? He's like, you, I've done it. <laughs> That's it. You know, like I would get no tangibles and then, um, I remember like looking up his name, Lewis Curtis or Curtis Lewis, whatever it was, and um, not finding anything, you know, like there was nothing about this guy, but he says that he's this great marketing genius and he was pushy and he was kind of like crude, you know, I didn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you could definitely tell you like on the show, you knew there was something going on um there, there was definitely that and you know now that you mentioned that it, it's crazy because it's like how can you prove that you know all this stuff about marketing but you can't reveal who you are so then you can't go and research and see okay what has lewis curtis has done that you know <laughs> makes him so pushy and um did you ever google him and and like like how did you start digging into it like okay who is this guy I definitely dug and I dug and I dug. And what I can tell you is that I, I can, I consistently told Matt, I was like, something's up. I don't like this. Like something just doesn't add up. And he literally told me just stop, stop digging. And Matt was in the perspective of, I know something special is going on. There's no way that there's this many cameras around without a good reason for it. And if it was undercover, if it was, un I think like now knowing, like looking transparently backwards he didn't want me to find out because if the premise of the show is that we don't know who he is me finding out and pushing it could mean that they move on to someone else you know for the sake of the tv show and so he told me not to dig 
And to be honest, I continued to dig. I just didn't tell as many people. <laughs> but I, was like, I wasn't as open about something's not right here. But um, no, I, I did my digging and I can't really tell you if I did or didn't find anything, but I did yeah. my digging. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. so so how did um I guess if you could summarize like you know top five things that you learned uh overall from being around him. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh the content, right? Like pushing more content and, and what are some of the things that you did learn now looking back that you're like, oh, you know, and especially now knowing who he is, uh, what are maybe top five or ten things if you can that you've learned? I can come up with some stuff. So I'll say number one, um, yes, at the time, frequency was very important. Like it, like it really was working for him. It was working for a lot of creators just to pump out a ton of content because that's what the algorithms wanted. But I'm going to note for the people listening that that's not necessarily the case right now. You do want to pump out as much content as you can on multiple platforms and be present on all these platforms. However, um, you know, some of the, the platforms that are already saturated in a ton of content, a ton of daily uploads, now they are going to start prioritizing the quality content. So I would I would say make that note. But at the time, it was very true. It was a hard for, thing for me to accept, but frequency was very important at the time. The second thing was, um, and this is probably the most important thing, I wanted to lead up to this at the end, but I don't think I'll be able to keep organized enough for that, um, is really the, the change of my perspective of perfection, because it did come with a frequency. It was him saying just publish, you know, don't, don't overthink it. Don't try to strategize everything. Just make moves. And eventually like you'll learn along the way and the strategy will form, but you have to, you have to make action and make visible action. And the way I was, you know, coming out of college, I was the perfect model student and college teaches you in a very specific way. They tell you that here's this ABCD process and, um, you know, places are going to expect the absolute highest quality from you. And so I'm focusing on trying to pull everything together, but Matt, as you know, doesn't move fast or doesn't move slow enough for perfection. He moves so fast that you just have to take a bunch of L's and hope that you get more wins across the way. And so I think for me, I'm actually really happy that I, I am shifting out of just true perfectionism because it, it did hold me back personally in a lot of ways and hold the business mm -hmm. back in a ton of ways. Um, the third thing is I had to take this with a grain of salt, but Grant's perspective on people was very harsh. Um, at the time, he had actually like told Matt to hire or no to fire uh, myself, Meredith, and Paige, the OGs. Like he just wanted to get rid of us because we were partially in college, and I guess the vision he had to move very quickly. Just he was like, "They're not all in. Fire them. Fire their asses." Uh, at the time, shoot, I would <laughs> I would have had his ass, but um, and I was giving everything I could. But at the same time, I do recognize that um, now where I'm at is that you do have to be very particular about who's on your bus. And, and sometimes if you're moving very quickly, it, it, I mean, it, it depends on what you're trying to build, I guess. But like, I, I guess I'm saying that in the scenario where you're trying to move very quickly, there's a sense of urgency. You do have to just make decisions that make sense to the business and you have to make some cuts, unfortunately. Um, mm -hmm. However, I, I prefer Matt's perspective where he knew that, yes, there was the deadline of the show, but he had a longer deadline. And so he wanted quality people. And so he was willing to, to work with the fact that some of us maybe weren't, wouldn't be able to move as fast as he needed it to, but he knew that we'd be valuable in the future. Um, and so I think it's less of like exactly what Grant told me, but more observing when and when not to pull each perspective. Because you need both. You need the Grant's um, ability to, to cut meat, 
but then you also need Matt's ability to care about people and see what the vision for the future is. And now just knowing when to pull each string is, is really awesome to watch. Um, from Grant specifically, let me think. <laughs> um, what did I learn? It's like, it's like, it's almost like, it was, I don't know. I, I wish I thought about this before. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Yeah. The, I mean, you, you've made some great points. Uh, you know, perfection, uh, that, that's definitely something that uh, I always like to push on people that it's like, dude, and especially nowadays with the phones, you know, mm -hmm. I, I've recorded music videos on my phone. Now they might not be the best, but they're not the worst either. And uh, it's content, you know, at the end of the day, the funny thing is like, there's so many people that have like gone viral with a video that, you know, looks like crap, <laughs> you oh, know, and, and, and then all of a sudden now they're, for example, in the music, music industry, they're doing shows now and getting booked and all that off of, you know, a video that you, that was bad, right. Bad quality. So, so I love that you touched on that. Um, and then the perspective on people, um, you know, that that's huge. And, and one of the comments you made was who's on your bus. And I think that, uh, that's definitely a struggle, right? Like going back to kind of how we started the, the podcast, um, you know, because you do have to have quality people around you. And I mean, sadly, not everybody can get on the bus, right? Like, uh, you know, with my music, when I started, I had 20 of my friends and I thought, hey, you're going to do my videos. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And then all of a sudden I wanted it more than they did. Right. And, uh, you know, slowly I started noticing like, man, you know, I'm I'm the one buying this or I'm, you know, because it was my vision at the end of the day. So I, I love that you said you know, who's on your bus. That that's definitely huge. Um, and then you, you touched on, uh, now it's more quality content. Can you touch a little bit on that? Yeah. So it's, it's funny because, you know, I've been, I've been trying to test around with my own. So I had to create a separate, uh, profile because especially on Instagram, they start categorizing you. And then once they kind of say, Oh, you're, this is a personal account, it'll stunt what you've got. But once you separate it and you build it specifically for the niche, or the type of content you want to create. I've been testing it out. And it's funny because I'll post every single day and it'll kind of just waver a little bit. But then when I post, like what it what it kind of does is uh, it'll wait a moment and it can see that I haven't posted in a couple of days and they'll be like, start pushing me, like running my content through the wheel again to get me a couple of likes to say, hey, you know, you can make some more content <laughs> and then I'll make it. And then the more sporadic the content is, at least in my personal experience, it's been um, increasing in performance. So I did some extra research to see what um, on a mass level, what we're really seeing on social media. And we are seeing the fact that um, TikTok, Instagram, um, those specific platforms that you're trying to grow on, which are the really good ones for, as you know, like those are good ones for growth. If you want community, that's really good for YouTube. Um, Facebook can still be really good to have a close knit community, but the ones that people are using to grow TikTok and Instagram are so saturated that they really do need, um, like they're looking like they're actually coding in for what's 4k, what's, um, actually longer form content. So what, what's happening is, um, before everyone would go viral on the seven second wonders, what I called, right? Those are the things that take short stimulus, you know, people like watching it. So it'll get multiple views loops. But if you actually look and you might've seen this in your monetization settings, it'll actually tell you loops are not um, a form of content that we support. And at first I was like, why the heck would they do that? Because I've seen so many creators do so well with getting multiple views on loops. And it's because what they're trying to count for is quality content that's being viewed 
for a good reason, not just because we tricked them into watching a video over again in seven seconds. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And TikTok is doing a very similar thing where um, they're actually like, I, I saw someone who makes a business on predicting the, the next steps or the next updates of, of uh, algorithms. And they were talking about how what TikTok is going to start doing is they're going to start promoting those uh, creators that can keep someone on a live stream for longer than 20, 30 minutes. And what mm. that's doing is it's no longer just trying to get multiple creators to get someone to swipe to the next video. It's now holding an audience captive and keeping them interested. And so it's it's interesting because before the, the short form content was working, but I think a lot of us now actually are getting bored because our, our attention spans are short because they made it that way by design to get us to like short form content. But now like I'll go through TikTok and just not, feel satisfied and so I'll I'll leave the app you know what I mean and then I'll go to Instagram and then I'll go back to TikTok and it's it's awful by the way but um (laughs) they know that and so now they're shifting to who can keep you on the longest individually um and so just the just the needs for content is changing so now it's not 10 short form videos it's five two minute videos and a 30 minute live you know it's it's you're using your time differently when you publish Mm. Wow, that's that's major right there. Uh, it, it's definitely big changes, um, and and that's definitely you know every conversation I've had with you, it's always uh, on point when it comes to all this social media stuff. And I would be a liar if I said I, I haven't learned a ton from you just by the times we've seen each other and the conversations we've had. Um, can you? somebody out there listening that wants to get out there, uh, can you give them some pointers on how they can get started, whether it's uh, building a personal brand, which I would like to touch a little bit more in the future anyways, but just overall, how does one get going? Yes. I like that question a lot because my advice is always kind of the same because I think that um, my initial advice earlier when I was thinking about Grant Cardone, I was saying that you do want to be on multiple platforms at the same time. But I think that's your goal. You eventually want to be on um, multiple platforms. But to start, I find it that um, it's a big, it's a, it's just like working out. You know, you need the reps. You need it to start so that it's consistent and replicable. And I think what a lot of people try to do is they'll try to post every single day on every single platform, trying to like, they're like, this is going to be my new thing. They commit to it as if it's their new job, right? But then they they kind of waver, you know, that that excitement, that burst of creativity waivers and then eventually you start falling apart because the the ask was just too big and um some people will say you know grant cardone will say 10x 10x it my personal opinion would be to start small so choose one platform uh choose a cadence that you can stick to and then after sticking to that cadence um and you've gotten like a a flow for it you kind of know how to keep your creativity consistent because that's the hardest part is less about the time you take on posting and more about the time that your brain can physically commit to being creative and coming up with ideas and keeping that enthusiasm on camera because the enthusiasm of like that specifically is the hardest thing to do because sometimes you just like, unfortunately you do kind of have to put a little bit of an extra persona when you jump on camera because um, that's what gets people's attention. That's the only way that you can create that um, excitement that you would have if you were in person. But the minute that you take that in-person stuff away, you do need to get a little bit more uh, charismatic on camera and that takes a lot of energy for some people um and it also takes a lot of practice to get eloquent on on camera you know to to share your ideas consistently and and clearly 
Um, and especially with these limits of two minutes or even one minute or 30 seconds, um, trying to shorten a big message down to something that hits in 30 seconds or 10 seconds is tough. And so all those things in mind, just knowing that if you start slowly and consistently, you can grow on those skills without getting burnt out or discouraged. Um, so that's my first step to growing your own personal or business social. The second thing is, um, again, strategically, strategically choosing which platform to use based on your audience. I think a lot of people will say, I'm going to use TikTok. But if they're a banker trying to get local clientele, TikTok isn't going to get you local clientele. I mean, it, it, the algorithms might switch in the future. But right now, if you want to reach local people, you want to find a platform that promotes local networks, meaning that you can very easily see that someone's in your area, that location systems are, are very, um, like it's meant to, to be that way. So those platforms tend to be Facebook. You can get away with Instagram because now it'll show you like, hey, these are in your contacts. These are the people that you can connect with. And it really is based on like communities and, and local hashtags, local locations. So that sometimes works. Um, but yeah, just choosing your time on a platform that will serve you because you know, TikTok, TikTok may not, you know, YouTube may not. Um, and then finally, I would say um, collaborations are massive. So you trying to build your audience on your own is a little bit difficult just because um, you now need people to find you organically or you need to personally reach out to them. However, for example, if I was trying to um, branch out into the music industry, my first point of contact would be, hey, Billy, Billy the Kid, let's do... Um, Let's do a collaboration. And that way I know he's already catered or created um, a, an audience that's interested in music and this type of music. And now if I do a cross post with him, meaning like, for example, I do the um, on Instagram, I can say invite collaborator. That means that it will post on his social the same way it would be if he posted it, meaning I get automatic um, visibility to everybody that he's already created and, and created relationships with. Um, and that just is like the 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 way to skip to the end of um, getting more visibility rather than you just trying to go through all of his contacts and follows and being like, I like this person. I like this person. Follow this person. Follow that person. It's more of like now sharing content directly to them. Mm. Powerful, powerful. All that information was so powerful. Like I said, uh, it, you never fail me every single time <laughs> dropping bombs. Um, you talked a little bit about kind of, for example, that collaboration that you mentioned. Um, you know, and uh, I'm going to ask you for my personal uh, usage. Um, so what I've been noticing is now that I because, well, it'll go along with the personal brand. Um, you know, I'm, I've always tried to create that personal brand because from there you can branch off, right? Like now I own the construction company, for example, uh, and some people will ask me like, you know, elderly clients will ask me, Oh, are you a DJ or are you a rapper? I thought I saw, you know, so it's kind of cool that, um, uh, it gives them something to look forward to, if that makes sense, uh, with the personal brand. Uh, and, and I think it's important for people not to overthink it. I've ran into a lot of people that overthink it like, Oh, well, you know, I wouldn't do that. So I should, you know, and it's like, you know what, if whatever it is that you want to do, just do it. Don't worry about what people are going to think. Um, because it, it could have been, hard for me if I would have been like, well, I'm this rapper, I shouldn't be doing construction, right? Uh, but then you start changing uh, even the way people look at those things. And as a matter of fact, uh, there's a couple rappers that own construction companies. It's funny, uh, out of Houston, um, Slim Thug owns a construction company and a major one. So 
uh, I, again, it's just a personal brand. Don't overthink it. Uh, but with that being said, uh, what I've noticed is, you know, now that I'm, I'm putting more with my coaching stuff that I'm doing in my book and everything, uh, obviously the people that have followed me up to this point, you know, whether it's me sending them emails and stuff, um, basically how, how a lot of them have messaged me and they're like, Oh my God, I love the, your podcast. Right. Or, or I love the, your book. So it, it goes along with it. Cause I'm just being myself, but how can you kind of cross over to that knowing that you're also now looking for a new audience, if that makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. So I agree with you. It's like, I always, I always fight with this because I am a, like a strategic mind. So I think that I, I have a bad habit of overthinking, uh, building a brand personal or business. Um, but I would say that if you could find a common thread or a way to spin something so that everything has a network, you know, you view it like a spider web where everything intersects, that's like the best way to, to be able to branch off while keeping it consistent. So for example, um, I would find a way to like, for example, you start a construction company, you found out there's multiple rappers that have a construction company in your area. I would therefore make a parody or serious, uh, music video on a construction site, uh, talking about the hustle, you know what I mean? And then having a podcast connected to that about why they chose construction and why it's a good hustle and how it supports the rapping career. And then you bring that into, um, you know, a social media live where you talk about like, how would you start your own construction company or a Q&A for these three guys that have the same industry, the same business. And so then the idea of that is to your audience, it still feels like it's all interconnected, that they're not getting hit from left field from something that um, doesn't, isn't the reason they followed you. If they, if they followed you for their rap, they're not suddenly getting a bunch of, this is how you run a construction business. This is how you run a construction business. They're like, this isn't what I wanted, <laughs> but mm-hmm. spin it to where it's now part of your story. And it's about the hustle. And it's about the things that they do connect with about your rap, which is less about the specific industry you're in and more about just what it means to, to run a hustle, you know? Um, and so you connect it all. And that's how, if you're building your own personal brand, that's what I would do is find out how all your different hobbies can be used together. Um, and it's tough because, you know, like that's the beautiful thing is that you have very sparse, um, hobbies, you know, that are very different from each other, but there's always a way to creatively make them, um, a single unit. Um, and that's what I would do. Yeah, no, that, that is awesome. Uh, that that's definitely some great pointers there. Um, and to kind of go along with that, uh, you know, how, how important is the personal brand uh, to, a you know, whether it is for a business or whatever it is that you want to do, if you could touch a little bit on just the personal brand, because for example, um, also you got to be careful because um, you got to know that that's you, right. That in the future, you know, if I sell my construction company, for example, uh, I, I don't come with it. If that makes sense, my personal brand doesn't come with it. So if you could touch a little bit on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like um, when people think of a brand and like the marketing for it, sometimes they will put the person too deeply in the center of it, especially if it's something that you plan to have an exit plan for. You don't want to do that because you do want to still increase the value of whatever you're trying to sell off to another person and um, assure them that the clientele, that the, um, the ability to get new leads is still strong with or without the personality coming with it. Um, but I would say that like what you want to use your personal brand for in terms of what its importance and how to leverage it, you want to build it as just a truly like networking at scale type of opportunity. So if I know that um, by showing my personality, showing like uh, the nuggets I've learned along the way, the lessons I've learned, I'm building just a network of a lot of different people that now I can like 
bring them to other brands that may be slightly more disconnected from me. So it's kind of like, this is your start point. Your start point is your brand. You build these relationships that are connected to your personality, connected to your drive, connected to your values. And then that way you also know that they would make great clients or business partners in whatever other industry you want to now funnel them to. So you start them at point A, you make the relationship. Eventually you maybe make one post or even a direct message saying, Hey, I noticed that you're interested in this, or I think you'd be great for this service or product. And so um, I had this other social or I have this other um, landing page I would love to send you to. Um, and then you kind of start just pushing them and ushering them to the direction that you want. And so your brand is like your lead gen operate, uh, opportunity. Uh, and then everything else is your closing opportunity for whatever business it is. And that way, whatever you usher them to doesn't have to be as centric to your personality. It's more centric to the knowledge and the information that you're trying to, to get them to bite on. Um, and that way, if you were trying to now let this thing go, it's not, it's, it's easy to let go. Um, mm. it's really abstract in my mind. So I'm trying to find a way. <laughs> yeah. Explain. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so lead generation <clears throat> and it can be again, just based on person values, you know, the, the stuff that makes a good person to work with. And then, um, the opportunities are more specific. Yeah, no, that that's great right there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's funny because throughout the years with my music, for example, and I think this is something that I've shared with you in the past uh, with one of our many conversations, uh, I haven't pulled the trigger fully on like marketing beyond just the social media stuff. Right. And, and thank God, you know, that I built it to where it's at now uh, without putting much into the marketing. Um, what are some recommendations that you would give me for example, with music and everything that I got going. Uh, and that way, anybody out there listening that's kind of in the same field or whatever, um, how does one get out there to where it's more of a for sure thing? Because, uh, you know, uh, you for example, the construction, I can sit there on Facebook and tag it every time somebody's asking, right? Oh, who uh, who's good at roofing or who, you know, but that's only going to get you so far. But if you start putting your money into marketing, I mean, it, it's almost inedible. So if you could touch on that. It is. And, you know, if you talk to like a SEO person, you talk to a website person, you talk to a lead generation person, they'll all say that their method is the best way to, to build your business in a sustainable way. My opinion, just because I'm more of like a, a broader scope and I want to give advice that is applicable to everybody. I would say just find a way, no matter what strategy you find, find something that uh, creates a tighter knit community that you can now retarget and refollow up. So, you know, for example, if you um, are trying to sell an e-com product, then what I would do is I would create an email list that provides information that continually kind of keeps them nurtured and in your community rather than just consume your content. And so most of the email is interesting enough for them to want to open without knowing it's just going to be another sale. So it's kind of like, hey, um, here's six life hacks, you know, related to like if your product solves, um, like I'm just going to say sleep because I'm in the sleep industry. Mm -hmm. If you say that, hey, your product is um, a, a great pillow, you know what I mean? Super exciting. It's a great pillow. Then, you know, the email blast should be more of like what they can do. Like, hey, these are recipes that will help you sleep better. Here are, um, uh, you know, music that will is proven to like binaural beats or whatever, or like you just have all this like really good it's like blog information, but now sending it directly to their emails and then ending it with a good call to action of like, buy my pillow, you know what I mean? Or, you know, 
uh, promo, you know, the 50% off, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And so what you want to do is you want to continually get them habituated to consume your content, but now more forcefully than just hoping that they open up a social media and hoping that the algorithm puts your content at the top of the list. It's now just ensuring that you have a way to contact them and hit them with those sales. Um, that could be, again, in the form of digital ads where you're now retargeting the people who are already in your ecosystem, paying that way. Um, it could be sending everyone to uh, a funnel, you know, where they put in their information. You have more direct contact info if you wanted to call or text or, you know, enter them into that email sequence. Um, but yeah, you definitely like, I've noticed a lot of people, for example, Instagram released their um, bonus program where you make money off of reels. Um, some people are like, oh man, I can make up to $80,000 and um, I could be making six figures, you know, a month or a year. And I'm yeah. like, true but it's also a program that has no obligation of staying a program for you mm -hmm. so it's not a consistent form of income it's you know the algorithms do continually change so if you're just betting on people seeing your content and then buying your stuff it's i wouldn't bet on it like personally mm -hmm. i wouldn't and so i would use other ways to ensure contact but how you do that it's it's just based on you and in meeting with a, a marketing person to kind of help you figure out what that looks like yeah no that i love it love it and uh so moving forward uh, with, with the show and everything, uh, you did mention that uh, now you're doing more part-time stuff. Uh, can you explain moving, going forward, where, where are you heading? What, what's your, what, what are the plans for you? You know, it's, it's like, it's like, a, I have these like bursts of creativity where I'm like, this is the direction I'm going to go. And I'm so sure, but again, I'm, I'm 23. We'll see where that goes. But what I'm doing now for uh, Matt Smith is, uh, as he scales his mattress company and wants to franchise it across the nation, I'm writing standard operating procedures to really um, define exactly how we manage a franchisee, exactly how we scale, exactly how we sell a product at an event. And that way, internally, we have this organization and communication and standardized way of executing a project. Um, and the really cool thing about that. Um, is that I'm I'm able to actually map out step by step from step zero to step 1,000, 10,000 on how to build a franchise, how to manage the franchisees, how to get them real estate, how to get them financing, and what to do with that information. I don't know yet, but I do know it's transferable across any franchise. Mm. And so I think eventually I'll I'll take advantage of that um, at some point in time, you know, because I'm doing that part time now. But in the long term, long term, um, I've got two dreams. And I don't know which which direction to go yet. First dream is creating a uh, media company where, have you ever heard of Jubilee? Uh-uh. No. So they're a YouTube company that creates content like Middle Ground, where they bring four atheists, four Christians, and then have like a mediated conversation um, because they're trying to create that radical empathy, that idea of um, you have different opinions, but how can we talk about it in a way that's... Um, smart you know that, that's i like that emotionally driven and so what i want to do is i actually want to create some sort of media company that um uses a little bit more like because what they're doing is they're just trying to show you true human interactions and how to have that interaction but i think i want to do something a little bit more like fact and database to where it's like the the news that we present is uh the left side and the right side are presented in tandem meaning that you're getting both stories at the same time um and bits that you can consume and then giving you really clear access to where that information came from. And, and I think that what, that what that does is it, in one sitting, you're getting both sides of the story because really we, we do operate on convenience. 
And so if it's more convenient for us to just watch one channel, then we're going to get that one story. And then we're going to continue to believe that that's the story to believe. And then you continue to watch that, that channel, you know what I mean? But if I create something that people equally trust that um, you trust that you're going to get both sides of the story in one bite-sized sitting, I think that I can make rational information more convenient for everybody. Mm. Um, So that's one idea. Um, Yeah, I I like that. (laughs) Thank you. I like it. Um, I just don't know how to start that yet because, you know, it's, it's, especially when you're creating media, you are monetizing on media. And I think that I need to create something in between that, that um, builds me more income to now invest in something that can get off the ground on just media alone. And so in that middle phase, that's what I'm trying to figure out is um, at the moment, I'm going to be doing personal brand building for personal social medias. Um, And I can do that kind of on my freelance time as I'm, as I work part-time at snooze. And as I start building those personal brands, I'm hoping just to build the networks and and of people that also believe in this middle ground of of politics and news. And so, mm, I like that. Love it. Love it. And uh, I, I was gonna ask you just overall, what is happiness to you, Mia? Shoot, that's such a hard question. It's such a hard. You know, it's again. I don't. I don't think I know. I think that um, for a while, I heard someone tell me, and it stuck with me for a long time. They said. Happiness is a really um, difficult standard to live by, but impact is a surefire thing to live by. So if you want to live for mm. happiness, um, that's it's a hard to nail down. Like you don't like it's it's there's a lot of chemicals in your head. There's a lot of things that will throw off your hormones. There's a lot of things that you know just hit you, and and you can continue to kind of fight for happiness, but you also know that sometimes it, you're just not happy. You know, um, and that's okay you know, it's just phases of life. Um, but impact, no matter what happens in life, no matter what your hormones do, no matter what, what, no matter what, you can always guarantee that what you do has impact, that your choices have impact. And right now that's comforting because I don't know how to find my happiness, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, it, it, that, that's, uh, it's deep for sure. Uh, you know, impact. I, I love that because, uh, I truly believe the same thing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of days where maybe you don't want to keep going. Right. You know, for example, I'm running a mastermind right now and, uh, just seeing how the guys are just killing it. And, and it's funny based on everything we've talked about, uh, I'm making them post that uh, three videos a week minimum. And, uh, you know, it, it's cool. And you, uh, I want to share this with you cause, uh, you know, you've been in the industry, it's cool at the very beginning, you know, they weren't posting like some of them, their last post was in 2018, you know, and, and now to see them post every other day or whatever, it's cool. And and now, you know, their videos are getting better, they're editing. And, uh, so, so it's so cool. Uh, and at the end, it comes down to the impact. Um, you know, I was explaining to them the message that you're sharing that day, you know, could be the, the one thing that somebody wants to hear, right. Uh, to keep, to get their day going to, to keep, to keep them going overall. And, and it's funny cause they've gotten those messages now, you know, where people are like, Hey, thanks to your video. You know, I, I needed to hear that today or whatever. So I, I, I love that. Uh, and you know, with my mastermind, I feel like that's, um, you know, the, the impact that I'm making, right. Like just seeing how they're becoming successful and based off of some of the videos they posted, now they're getting more business for, you know, their cleaning business or, uh, you know, whatever construction or just, you know, real estate, et cetera. So it's, so it's, um, it's super cool. Um, 
So yeah, that, that's a great answer. I, I love it. And um, I definitely hate to cut it down. I know you got your things that you have to go do. So um, at the last end of the, the last leg of the show, uh, I always like to ask the same questions. Um, and the first question that I have for you is, if you were to look back at your younger self, what would be some advice you would give yourself? Oh, man, you know, it's it's so funny. Like, I, I think about this a lot because I feel like I would tell myself that, you know, um, you can have more fun, that you can relax a little bit more, um, that you're not defined by your performance. But I also know that... Um, they were, I know that they were unhealthy thoughts that I had, but I also know that they got me here. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's tough to say that I would tell myself to think any differently because, um, I do know that I ended up very differently than the people I went to high school with the people I went to college with that I'm in a very different stage of my life and I'm grateful for it. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I think that, um, I think that we all learn things in our own time, actually, you know what I mean? It's like, can't learn things too soon. You can't learn them too late. There's actually my favorite song right now. Um, I heard a Vienna from Billy Joel. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, uh, Vienna will wait for you. And, you know, like mm -hmm. you always know when you're wrong, but you don't always know when you're right. And there's just all these, it's beautiful. But anyways, um, mm -hmm. I think that, I think that I learned things just as I needed to, I hope, you know, but I don't think I would have been here if I was more relaxed and easygoing. So yeah, no. And, and I love that. That's, that's a great answer. I, I can actually relate to it today because, uh, this morning I, and actually it's probably this whole week, I felt kind of under the weather, you know, I think the weather changing and, you know, stuffy nose and you know, nothing major, but, um, this morning I was close to being like, you know what, uh, I'm not going to do my, my run this morning. Right. But then, um, you know, I run two miles. So I'm like, you know what, uh, it's okay. It's okay. If I don't do it, for one, right. Be with performance that you talked about, but then, you know, I laid there for like 10 minutes, like after my alarm or whatever. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go run for one mile. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, I got up, started going. And then I did my two miles. Uh, but I was okay with, uh, maybe stopping more than usual. Right. And, uh, I think it's a great reminder that, that, um, you know, as long as you keep going like that, that's all that matters. Um, so I, I love that answer that that's I, I can relate. Like I said, I can relate this week. <laughs> Thank um, you. And my my other question that I have for you is if there were three steps to success and if you do these three things, you're not going to fail. You're going to be successful. What are the three steps? Yeah, so I learned this one from Anna. You had her on not too long ago. Um, she she taught me kind of, you know, I, I always heard about core values and I always kind of thought like, those are cheesy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know the tangible use of them, but you know, I, I think like the way she framed it is like, Hey, if you, if you set these three core values and you commit to them, then really there's no sense of failure. Cause again, it's, it's the idea of impact, right? Like you can have this, this goal of success and like, or happiness. And these are destinations almost like you're either happy or unhappy their destinations, but the, the things that you do along the way, if you can follow those core principles and you know that you did things to, true to your morality, true to your values, then um, that is success for the day. It's not necessarily um, an end game, but it's it's knowing that you made the right choice. So I think mm. number one is um, making the choices that are true to your core values because there's no way to fail in that scenario. So in my case, if I do everything with grace, with the idea of growth and with authenticity, there's like there's nothing I can do in that day that's not true 
to me or that I'll feel bad about at the end of the day. Um, the second thing is um, probably always, I, well, I guess it really it does. Like, I mean, I was trying to take it outside of my core values, but so I'm going to put those three into the core three steps, right? So do everything with grace, meaning you're treating people with empathy and um, giving yourself also the grace to, to make mistakes. And if you do that in step one, you're fine. Step two, um, you're, all the decisions are geared towards growth, meaning that maybe it's it's not going to reap you uh, gratification right away, but you know that this is a step towards your end game or your growth or that you're going to learn from it. You're fine. And three, if you're authentic, you know, so you're you're just being honest, like you're not trying to give people grace when it's not true to who you are. You know what I mean? It's, you're not trying to um, say something nice just because you're trying to be nice. No, you're being authentic and you're you're speaking your mind and you are doing the things that may not make sense to other people. You're believing you're honestly like even if you're voting for Trump and it's authentic to you and it's it pisses someone else off, shoot, you know, you you do your mm. thing. Um wow. That yeah. that that's powerful right there, Mia. You're making me <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Uh I can definitely relate to that. Like I said, uh I think uh you know I always categorize everybody in like the three percent, right? And then there's the 97% most people and when you're in the 3%, when you're truly in the 3%, because a lot of people think, uh, oh, I bought one rental and now I'm in the 3%, right? Uh, and, and it's like, well, that's one, the first step, right? Out of, you know, 10 years ahead of you. Um, and people forget, right, that uh, you got to get started, right? That's a great thing. But when you want, you know, for example, with me, I always go back to it, like with what I have, you know, I, I've, I've came across a lot of people that will kind of get around me. And then all of a sudden, you know, six months later, they, they learn a couple of things and, you know, all of a sudden it's like competition or, you know, all these crazy things. And it's like, no, like slow down. Cause I never did that. Right. So, uh, I can completely relate to everything you just said. And it is because, uh, when you, when you are in that 3%, um, a lot of people won't understand you. The 97% of people will look at you weird. And uh, also shout out to Anna. Uh, Anna she, yeah. she killed it on the podcast. Uh, and I actually had her speak to my mastermind and the guys were just like blown away and, you know, teary. And uh, she's so amazing. I love Anna. So that that's awesome that you brought her up. <laughs> shout out to Anna. <laughs> um, and then my last question that I have for you, if you were to write a book, what would be the theme slash title of it? Oh, I thought about this. I thought about this. Um, part of me, like there's two books I have in mind. One book is to write a write it in the perspective of a startup agency um, and the struggles and the, the management and like the culture of it, but through the perspective of middle management. Because when you when you read a lot of entrepreneurial books, it's all in the perspective of the CEO and the hard decisions he has to make. And while I think that's uh, very helpful, I think that there's a lot of people in my position that are seeing the brunt of it, the groundwork, the seeing like they have a more candid relationship with employees than maybe the CEO does just for the nature of hierarchy. And um, there's some very interesting problems that you come across with startups. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the culture is family, but as we know, family gets messy and it's... Um, so I think that that would be really interesting just because I got to see the inside of that and also see, so on one hand, the agency, but then on one hand, the franchise and and what it's like for early franchisees. And I think in some way that meshes really well with startup culture. Um, but then second, I think that 
I do kind of want to write a book in the perspective of, you know, a young 20s, um, what the transformational success looks like, because again, you also see a lot of memoirs and a lot of biographies from entrepreneurs who have made it and now are writing backwards in terms of, yes, everything worked out. But I think that reading a book in the perspective of someone that sees the future, but it hasn't achieved it yet could be really like candid and comforting because you know that those problems are shit, the same stuff I'm going through right now. Um, so those, those are two ideas. <laughs> you know that I, I love that. Uh, it, it's funny because there, I can totally relate to that. Uh, so the book that I wrote, uh, it's actually not my first idea. It's funny. Um, I have this other idea. Uh, but uh, I wrote this book to literally make the point of like, no, get uncomfortable. And, you know, uh, I've never wrote a book, but I'm here I am doing it or whatever. Um, so the the book that I have coming and, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is uh, you you literally like nailed it because um, I had this mind thing right in my 20s where I, the same thing I'm like, well, but but it's smart because you're thinking it the, the opposite. Uh, I used to think okay, I'm going to, until I have this net worth, right? Or until I did this and did that. And thank God, I mean, it feels nice to say, okay, I did those things. And that's why, quote unquote, I could write a book now. But I always go back and I'm like, you know, can you imagine if I would have four books, like part one, here I am in my basement. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, you know, single mom and, and, but I know where I'm heading. And then, you know, two, and, and you build a story to where, boom, I made it right. Like that, I, I love that because that, that would, and a lot of people can relate to that because that's where, you know, that's where we all go through. So I love that. That's a, that's a great, uh, I would definitely suggest you doing that. Oh, <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, um, to, to kind of wrap things up, if you could let everybody listening or watching know, uh, where can they follow you? And if you have a website or, you know, your Instagram, et cetera. Awesome. Yeah. So my name is Mia Gilbertson. You can find me on the Mia G feed on Instagram. I've got, I've got some other stuff working, but um, for now, I would say that I'm, I'm working on some personal branding development. So if you want your personal socials, I would love to, to meet with you. Um, besides that though, I will catch you on the flip side. And this was the most fun podcast I've ever been on. So thank you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody listening, make sure you guys follow her. And then uh, don't forget to follow me at Billy the Kid, D H A K I D D dot com, also, uh, and on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Billy the Kid. Thank you, me. I appreciate it. And let's get it, baby. Vamos. Boom. I'm doing good as if I joined the Illuminati. And then some don't like that. They hate that they see you smile. As if I haven't been hustling, it's been a while. Gotta put in the work if you wanna shine. I want it all and I'm coming for what's mine. Some call me greedy. Bitch, I call it ambition. Some call me selfish. Bitch, I call it motivation. Different levels of thinking and we both right. But my mindset is on growth with the future. Right? Yeah. Those minded people mad at me that I'm speaking facts Or maybe could it be that I'm getting racks Open your mind, gotta open it to receive I'm always ten toes for what I believe Those minded people mad at me that I'm speaking